living in an integrated life. It's my goal. And you want to have uh, people that you work with and around that uh, can integrate into your life. To your point, if it's a vacation or a dinner, um, I, surely I don't want to have to put my head down when I see you in Whole Foods, right? That's no way to live. Like, so, so like uh, people that you can integrate into and always um, is, is the goal. To your point, sometimes, yeah, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, but we can all have goals, right? I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. We are a family on a journey towards financial and location independence. Each week, We interview successful real estate entrepreneurs about their chosen investment strategy and rate it based on how much money it took to get started, how long it took to educate themselves, how passive it is, and whether or not they could do it from anywhere in the world. Welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. Before we begin this week's show, I'd like to make you an offer, a free 30-minute call with me. We've been doing weekly chats with other real estate investors for months now, and the response has been great, but we're going to change things up a bit and focus. We are buying self-storage facilities. We have a great partner in North Carolina with a great track record of success, a background in construction, and we're partnering up to help him expand his portfolio. If you have an interest in learning more about investing in self-storage, on the active side, on the passive side, whatever your level of interest, we want to talk to you. There's no pitch here. We're not selling a coaching program. This is just a chance for us to network with other investors interested in self-storage. Also, if you're a current self-storage owner, we'd love to chat with you and perhaps have you as a guest on our show. If all that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash self-storage call and schedule a call there. I look forward to speaking with you. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Greetings, friends and families. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. You're listening to the Road to Family Freedom podcast. Our guest this week is a former college football All-American, a serial entrepreneur, and the co-founder of Affordable Greenville, a small real estate investing firm with over $10 million in assets under management. Mario Brown, welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. Uh, Brittany, Neil, thanks so much for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to kind of circle back with you, Neil, after meeting you out at the Joe Fairless uh, camp. We were in about two months ago or three months ago now. Uh, so excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah, it, it feels uh, it feels a world away. It feels like uh, a totally different world. <laughs> they were definitely dog month, not dog years, dog months. Like literally, it felt like we were there like yeah. at least twenty four months ago. Um, and there's just so much that's happening. I know. Uh, but we're yeah, yeah, we're staying focused, still chopping wood, and uh, yeah, uh, trying to lead through this just like everything else. Yeah, I've joked with a few of my friends uh, that I was with. Uh, in Colorado at the conference. And I've said, can we just hop in a time machine and go back to like Saturday night of the last night of the conference? Because that was a really like, the world was like normal and everything was kind of together. And then it just we came home and it just completely came apart. So. Oh, and it's really interesting. Some of the conversations that we had there, Neil, um, you know, if, you know, hey, should people double down on the market or should they be more conservative in their underwriting? All these, all those kind of debates that we were watching. It's really interesting to see that play out. Um, and I think uh, yep. maybe it was Neil Bawa, who seems like the guy that was correct in his um, in his argument. Uh, so it's it, 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 who knew? I don't think he anticipated this Black Swan event. That said, um, yeah, we're there. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, we will get to uh, at the end. We would like to you know chat with you a little bit specifically about uh, uh, how COVID is affecting you know your business and things like that. But you know, let's let's kind of move along and pretend like it's not happening right now. So 
Uh, you've been involved in a lot of different types of real estate strategies from wholesaling to to flipping to spec builds and now to multifamily syndication. Uh, can you recall a moment in the past with any of those strategies where things really clicked for you and you thought, yeah, man, I can really do this. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think um, I'm a value add person, right? So I, I go in a room, how do we make this better? How do we do more? And uh, how do we maybe, uh, you know, Get, get tweak it a little bit more, right? Um, so that said, uh, real estate kind of provides that that canvas. So be it in any of those um, avenues, uh, I think I was initially attracted to some of the wholesaling and flipping and the quick cash and let's do a really cool house that everyone can come see. Uh, but um, you know, after kind of getting well versed in those things, quickly learning that um, you know uh, the power of uh, uh, force appreciation. So, I mean, that, that was kind of the big click for me. Before that, I was just kind of attracted to uh, some of the more flashy parts of real estate, but I uh, became a, a true operator and a true you know, investor uh, when I, I started to understand and uh, appreciate multifamily and, you know, understanding the you know, NOI drives everything, right? Okay, so you used a couple of terms there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of try and pull them out uh, pull them out of you for some of our audience that may not know what you mean. Uh, can you describe what you mean by forced appreciation? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So um, you know, two two types of appreciation exist uh, in, in real estate, right? So um, you know, market appreciation. So your you know single family house, the neighborhoods coming up, and it feels really good uh, on the op so you're really subject to several factors, and that's as a, an agent broker, I'm very familiar with that. Um, uh, so when I learned about forced appreciation, uh, being able to control the appreciation myself by my actions, uh, not de being dependent on the market, I fell in love. Um, wow, I don't have to sit around and hope my neighbor does what he's supposed to do. I don't have to pray that investor that flipping a house down the street sells it for what it, it, it's really worth, not a little bit less. So being in control in that regard, um, uh, that, that's the... You know, for me, the the big piece of uh, force appreciation. Does that make sense for uh, like the audience? It does, and I'll. I'm sorry. Yeah. So you know, there's there's it's fine. It was a great it was a great explanation. So you've got the natural appreciation, which is just you know, uh, as a market, you know, God doesn't is making more land, and you know, average appreciation is about three percent per year. You know, and uh, you know, where where it's force appreciation, you know, you're saying is you're able to basically take an asset that's not worth an amount, you're able to improve it, and thereby it's forcing the appreciation, it's making it happen a lot quicker, which is basically what when people talk about flipping houses uh, or burr investing, that's what you're doing. You're basically adding the value right then and there. Sure, but in that that you know, flipping the house, you're still subject to the market and other single family values, where uh, uh, with uh, multifamily, it's purely the net operating income. Have I increased the value of this property by uh, PL? You know, it's, it's, it's you're ruled rule by the profit and loss statement, which is which is yep. great. Yep. All right. And which is a great segue. So, net operating income is? Uh, it's, it's basically, it's, it's not your take home, but it's just, you know, all your, you know, revenue minus all your expenses, right? Equals your net operating income. And that's the, you know, and, uh, Net operating income times a cap rate is how we, you know, come up with a value. But uh, I guess Neil, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. I guess am I? I feel like I'm talking to you, but I'm explaining at the same time. So excuse me, uh, my bad. It's fine. It's all good. Uh, so I mean, the net operating income is, you know, the the revenue minus expenses. That's it. 
you know, your, your gross revenue minus the expenses, you know, so all the rents you take in, all the, you know, uh, any, any other ancillary income that a property takes in, and then minus the expenses, not including uh, the mortgage, the debt service. Sure. Okay. And one of the powers, and, and you know this, you know, one of the powers of commercial real estate is that you can force, you can force the appreciation by increasing the NOI, mm-hmm. increasing your revenue or lowering your expenses. And it's not based on, you know, the color of your drapes, what color, you know, what the neighbor's house looks like. It's all based on income. Absolutely. Correct? Is that Correct. a good explanation? It, okay. is. Uh, it is. And I would add right. one thing, Neil, on, on, the, uh, on the single family side, and not only are you subject to your neighbors, but you also got to sell it to a retail buyer. So there's no, there's no 27 year old latte lover on the other side that's evaluating, you know, the, your granite selection um, to determine whether or not you can, uh, you, know, you you can get the value out of it. Gotcha. And it's such a key concept in real estate investing, the idea of forced appreciation that so many people don't really get. And that's one of the things I love about commercial real estate is that you're not subject to the whims of the 27 year old latte loving, you know, whether or not they like the color of your granite counters, you know, and things like that. So, all right. Okay. Sorry. I took your first question accidentally. So why don't we switch? (laughs) Oh, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) We get into fights like this. So (laughs) it's cute. It's Um, It's very cute guys. (laughs) <laughs> uh well so you you started in like flips and and wholesaling and that kind of thing um are there any lessons that you learned in there that you've now taken to multifamily i, I mean, absolutely i i think the the end user centric like uh approach gets lost sometimes in multifamily um, in single family uh, purchases, we're always thinking about the buyer. Um, I think some investors often forget about the, you know, the renter. Um, and that's the actual, that's our client, right? And how can we improve their experience? Um, and I think looking at things through that lens, um, that's, uh, that's, that's the biggest thing I've taken. Um, and, that, and that really helps uh, me and us as operators um, uh, provide a better service, provide a better product. Um, you know, and, and sometimes it definitely, uh, hurt, hurts us where we, we, we care a little too much, but that said, um, overall, it's better to be generally right than precisely wrong. The wrong thing to do is not put your client first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you're trying to force appreciation, um, you have to kind of justify the, the rents if you're increasing those rent numbers sure. and if people, you know, if you're not taking care of people, that kind of thing, those, you know, you're not going to, you're going to get a bad name and people are probably not going to want to rent from you. And a hundred percent, that's my a hundred percent. And really for us, you know, we, we do them. We just try and do the math for the tenant in our heads as we justify uh, to your point, those rent increases. If we're doing things like making the unit more energy efficient, we know that the power bill is going to be lower. Mm-hmm. If we're, if we're, we're thinking about all the variables. So maybe the rent, does go up. Um, however, we know it's better for this, uh, this, this user. Um, and our focus is affordable, affordable housing. So we, you know, we are in the, I won't say, you know, we're buying like dogs from mom and pop owners and um, uh, which I'd say these units that are released for 500 bucks uh, a month, but are indecent. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't walk your dog into them, right? It's better to pay 750 for something that's, energy mm-hmm. efficient, clean, uh, just decent. Um, so that's, that's kind of our approach. 
but uh so but and i know it's a little different class to class you know guys that are doing like class a even in stronger class b products we're we're in that you know in that c class yeah yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, what size, uh, communities are you typically purchasing? So uh, we're in that kind of a, a weird space. So we're, we're bigger than uh, a lot of the, uh, single family investors in, in that we're buying, you know, more than eight units, but we're not buying anything above a hundred. Um, we, we've kind of found a little niche in that, in that in-between space. So we're not competing with institutional money. And really sophisticated, really uh, sophisticated uh, companies. Um, yet we're we're uh, you know doing things that are a little too big for for uh, guys that don't understand the, the concepts and have the relationships that really sustain our business. Gotcha. What? Um, so that first deal that you did with um, with multifamily. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, I, I am an experiential learner and I, um, I really don't mind um, losing or, or getting egg on my face <laughs> as long as I take great notes um, and I'm able to, you know, take those lessons, take those lessons forward. I look at it just like college, right? You got, you, you, it, it, it's, it's, you're, you're paying your tuition. Uh, that said, I, before I got to a partnership, um, which kind of all of our, our 200 properties are in now, I wanted to prove my concept. I wanted to make sure that I could be a good partner and I could be a good operator. So I bought an eight unit property uh, off of the MLS. Uh, this, is, this is back when you could do it a long time ago, 2016. Uh, and and um, it was, it was uh, horrid. Uh, there was so much deferred maintenance. There were things that were just, um, like I said, indecent. Um, so went in, uh, took so many lessons, so many lumps, um, but was able to um, improve it. I think we took the, the net operating income from actually the rent, let's go rent roll from 3000 to 8,000. Um, and you know, just about 18 months, uh, should have been a lot faster, but I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, that said, um, I, I ended up selling that property. Um, and we, we made some good money and, um, and then decided, Hey, let's, let's scale this up with, with a partner who can take some of the, uh, the, the load off me on the, you know, the administrative, side of it, the, the analysis side, the, the lunch with broker side of it. You know what I mean? That's not who I am. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'd say that that was instrumental in giving myself, it gave me the confidence to actually know I could be a good partner. What is it that you, uh, what is it that you like doing? You said you don't, you know, you like, don't like to be the, you know, dealing with the brokers and things like that. What is it that Mario likes to do in the partnership? I'm an action guy. That's it. Period. So that what that, what that looks like is um, I oversee all the capex, the basically the strategic, the strategic plan of raising rent, managing the manager, all the things related to like uh, it's, I'm I'm shooting the basketball, right? Um, that's that's where I want I want to be on the court. Um, anything that takes away time from uh, me improving the asset or or or, or managing our our crews. You know, it needs to be done, but my ADHD brain just, it just taxes me. And um, so I, I was able to find a partner that, that not only uh, took a few things off my plate, but he helped, he helped expand the plate, uh, make the plate larger, right? So, uh, yeah. so and, and we've been able to grow exponentially because of that. Gotcha. A good partner. It's important. Yeah. Is there anything that you would do differently now, um, knowing what you know on that eight unit? 
Absolutely. <laughs> There's a big smile there. Oh man, <laughs> man, man, Neil. There's, there's, there's so many things. Um, it, it, it really boils down to the pro- like learning how to properly manage your property manager. I think that th- those are um, lessons that re- after all the books I read, all the the the, the bigger pocket university that I, I was, I put myself to BP University. All, all that stuff, I never really. Uh, uh, about the property management, managing the manager. And, and that's where I failed uh, on several points. So I'd say th- those are the pieces that I take with me and that I'm able to do at, at a pretty efficient rate now with our weekly calls, spreadsheets. Hey, where, where are we? Where are we going? And, and kind of keeping them uh, in tune and subject to the business plan. Yeah. Yeah. Would you be willing to go over the numbers for that first deal? Absolutely. Like how much you bought it for? Yeah, um, and, and I I think um, would you guys want to do that one? I also have the one where I, we we did like six percent down. Um, that was like the first one that Brian and I bought. I thought that might be okay for your audience, or maybe that's just too much going on. Uh, let's do that first eight unit because it was one that just you did. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so uh, we we bought that. I bought that eight unit property for two hundred and forty thousand dollars. Like I said, I bought it off the, off the MLS. Uh, I think that's roughly, uh, yeah, I, here's what I knew. I knew that, that I could buy a single family house for double in that area and I'm, I'd be okay. Um, and it, uh, so from there, uh, I put $160,000 into it. Um, and, you know, so my basis is right at 400. And, you know, like I said, once we were able to take the, the NOI, get the NOI to where it was, uh, I sold it for 560000 uh, 24 months later. Awesome. Gotcha. Um, uh, on the the purchase price, was that did you get a loan or cash or how did you? Absolutely, make that absolutely got a loan. Um, so uh, rubbed every nickel together and every dime and borrowed from uh, my four hundred one k and like really pulled all that that entire. I think it was yeah forty thousand um, or just about forty eight thousand. So pulled that forty eight thousand mm-hmm. um, and put and put that in, and the bank also gave me. Um, 80% of the, uh, the renovation as well. So, so I, I think net net, I was out, out of pocket about 55 grand. Cool. So you were out of pocket 55 grand, uh, and that, the, the, uh, rehab costs were also part of the loan, correct? Correct. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, and then, uh, and then you had no partners on that. That was just you. Yeah, correct. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Not a bad payday 24 months later. So not, not a bad payday uh, for uncle Sam at all. Uh, he had a great day that day. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Uh, are there any, um, any massive failures uh, in that, in those early days that uh, you think you could avoid it? Yeah. Um, so the first mistake I made, the, the biggest mistake was I got way too close to the tenant. Um, I, I approached it almost as if it were a single family uh, house that I wanted to kind of know the, you know, know who's written from me. Um, and that really created, um, you know, you know, um, a year of just dealing with people and it, it was just a lot more stressful and, it, and, you know, it, it, it just was not good for me or, or the tenant uh, at all. So that, that'd be the biggest piece. And then one thing that I incorporate today, I took control of the, you know, the CapEx uh, capital improvements and the, the, the turns of the unit. 
because the, the numbers that I was getting back from my property managers were ridiculous. So, and there was just no accountability there. I was almost kind of setting it and forgetting it. And, uh, but so I took ownership of the, 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 the actual CapEx and the, the maintenance portion of it for a while. And then also I'm just not getting too close to the tenant, which is hard for me. I love people. Uh, and, uh, but that's a lesson learned that I, I would never, I will never do again. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, we, we've, we've interviewed a lot of different, uh, people who've been landlords and, and you just, you've got to create a, you've got to create a bit of a separation, both, uh, physically and, and emotionally mm -hmm. to just make it its business. This is, this is what the, the lease says. If you don't meet the lease, then, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta get out. Sorry. Absolutely. And yeah. it, it's really, I'm, I could never be, I could never be a landlord where I'm dealing directly with tenants. I'm way too, I'm way too much of a softy. I'd be like, Oh, oh you, your, your grandma died again. I'm sorry. You know, I, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll give you a discount or rent this month. Um, yeah. Six months in a row. We're good. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, you know, what led you to shift gears from, and I, I sort of know the answer. We've covered this a little bit to shift gears from residential, uh, to commercial. So I've, I've got a, I've got a full-time, full-time job. I, I, I am a, uh, a broker and I represent a custom home builder. Um, so very intentional, thoughtful time that needs to go into our projects. We're a design build firm. So I, I, I found that the multifamily um, really kind of allowed me to one, build a team or kind of have professional teammates and take a little bit of the, the load off of me during the day. There, there was never, it wasn't going to be an emergency where I had to stop what I was doing uh, and take a call or um, come look at a piece of lumber that we, we didn't know was there. So that, that was, that was the, the, the biggest driver. I love what I do. I don't want to, I don't want to retire. I don't want to change, change that. Um, I want, I wanted to come up with something that I could integrate into my life versus, you know, um, try to flip my way uh, into to, to retirement, which yeah, that, that wouldn't be for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so what would you, what's your um, elevator pitch for your potential invest investors now for affordable Greenville? Yeah. So um, it's, it's really simple. Um, we are uh, local operators. We focus in a very uh, tight area. We only buy deals that uh, perform. We underwrite conservatively. Um, and at, at the end of the day, um, we care. I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, uh, we obviously can get into all the details and the numbers, but I, I think you need to be confident in, uh, the manager, uh, you know, that you need to be manager, uh, confident in the, the general partner, right? So if there's not confidence in their ability to know their area, know exactly what they're doing, who they are and, and what things, and really more who they aren't, then the rest doesn't really matter. Um, so I, I think the big piece is that we're, we're local guys focused in a really tight local area. Of course, that does it um, restrict us in kind of growing uh, out, but we're okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Are you receiving, are your most of your investors local to you or are they state, um, you know, countrywide? They're actually lo local. 
Gotcha. So you've got an investor base that knows the area as well. And, and uh, Greenville's not a small, I mean, Greenville's not a huge town, but it's also not a small town. It's a pretty big, is it the largest in South Carolina? It is. It is. So it's, and it's right between uh, uh, Charlotte and Atlanta. Uh, and, and for us, for, for my partner, Brian and I, we, you know, we would love not to have investors. Like we, you know, that's the last thing we want to do. We'd actually love to operate the deals ourselves and benefit from our labor. Uh, by ourselves. <laughs> that said, um, we, 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 uh, you know, after running out of your own money, um, and not wanting to do, kind of make short, any wise pound foolish decisions to kind of get into other deals, we, we started to syndicate and, uh, you know, it's, it's been great as we've been able to integrate these investors, they're, they're, they're almost like family, right? I mean, we're not, we're not a big business. We're not a big shop. Um, we have to like you for you to invest in our deals. Like, I mean, we, uh, and we, you know, we, we just, treat people a little better than sometimes they should. We, we should, but it's all good. Yeah. That one of the best, some of the best advice I ever got from uh, a big time real estate guy uh, about it, taking investors is, is you got to realize that every investor you bring in is a relationship that's going to last years. Uh, and it's a customer service business relationship that's going to last years. And he's like, I got to the point where I only have 10 investors. Uh, because I want my investors to be the kind of people that I take vacations with in the summer. Yeah. Um, they're not just they're not just a, a a name on an email, you know that I that I have to deal with or a phone call that I've got to take every you know anytime they call. You know, uh, you want uh, you know you may not be able to get there in the very beginning, but ultimately that's the kind of people you want to build relationships with. Um, and you don't want to be taking money from somebody who you don't want if you don't like them you know because you're going to be talking to that person a lot absolutely i think you know and i said this earlier but living in an integrated life is my goal and you want to have uh people that you work with and around that uh, can integrate into your life to your point if it's a vacation or a dinner um I, surely i don't want to have to put my head down when i see you in whole foods right that's no way to live like so so yeah. like uh, people that you can integrate into and in always um, is, is the goal to your point. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, but we can all have goals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. All right. So one of your key strategies is that you often come in and you institute what's called a rubs program, um, that lowers the expenses and increases your revenues for, uh, for our listeners who may not know what a rubs program is. Can you briefly explain it? Yeah, so that acronym stands for the Ratio Utility utility Billing System. And really, at a very simple uh, look, it's, it's basically just charging back the utilities that that particular um, tenant used. That's it. So oftentimes, the, um, older properties, uh, owner may, you know, when they built it, they didn't want to take on the extra cost to meter each and, each and every unit. So they'd say, hey, we'll take care of it and we'll just build it, build it into the, uh, the rent. And over the years, you know, the, it just gets out of whack. So um, oftentimes we'll buy from guys that are, are eating $60, $70, $80 a month from their, their tenant's utility, utility usage. Um, it's just an easy way um, uh, to recoup some of those funds and to, to, to boost your NOI without doing the quote-unquote rent, rent increase. Um, I think everyone knows that, that utilities cost something and usually that's our first conversation with tenants versus, Hey, we're coming in here to approve things. We're going to, we're going to do this and that. And you're going to pay us more money. First, let's reconcile this. Let's everyone first, let's pay your fair share. And then we'll go from there. So that you, that the rub system is a, is a great bridge to, uh, 
it's, it's, yeah, it's just a great bridge to, to getting you to the other side which when you do have to start making entries. So is this something that you like, so do you install like monitors or how do you institute this? Uh, so there's a lot of ways. Cause I have no idea. <laughs> no, it's a great question. It's a, it's a great question. And uh, this is more of a like boots on the ground operator answer um, versus the, I'm sure like, uh, Mark is a millichap answer. Like, so of course you can pay the money to have like uh, each individual unit um, metered. So, but that that comes with a cost. Um, here locally, I mean, I think it's like twenty three three thousand dollars per unit. Uh, or uh, for us, and there are also companies out there that'll uh, uh, install a system and 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 they'll handle the billing and all that good stuff. I take the approach of let's start with the end in mind. What am I trying to get here? more money, uh, net operating income. So let's just take our bill, divide it by the unit. And obviously each bedroom, if there's a two bedroom unit, we're not gonna charge them the same as a three bedroom unit. And then and then we just uh, tell a tenant they're paying a water bill that's 40 bucks a month. You know, we don't have to go through all the, you know, the systems, the new businesses, the, the cost of, uh, you know, the cost of actually coming out and submetering again. Let's just, Start with the end in yeah. mind. Um, and, and obviously that, that approach doesn't work for, I, I'd say probably huge buildings, but for the things that are in our space, you know, third, you know, eight, 12, up to 80 units, um, it's, it's been, you know, we're getting the same benefit, um, but no, it doesn't, but it, you know, but, but we don't have it. <laughs> it exactly. doesn't cost you a bunch yeah, of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, um, because yeah, if you, you know, built it into the rent and then utilities goes up or, or whatever, you're not actually, they're, they're not paying what, what the actual bill is. So it makes sense that, that, you know, you just divide it between people. And I will so. say this. So there is a, there is a little margin there uh, that, that you're not going to make because what we do is we take the last 12 months and then, you know, a, a historical data, and then we do all the math and we come up with a, a set number. Um, and, and, Say our our water bill is eighteen hundred bucks that month. We're going to get between sixteen fifty and seventeen fifty. So you also got to, I got to be okay with that. So for that last fifty dollars of NOI, I do not want to take on three thousand dollars a unit for you know uh, you know a utility to be, uh, for each individual unit. So it's it's uh, I'm sure there's several ways to think about it, but uh, as far as a guy on the ground doing it, um, I think we're better. I'm a better investor because I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a better entrepreneur because I'm an investor. Right. I mean, so and once again, yeah. integration, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, and the, the important thing for people to understand when they, when they think about this as the ultimate value uh, to you, the investor is that you're, you're one, you're increasing the cash flow. Uh, because you're lowering the, the expenses to the property. And if you take, you know, you say like, oh, what, you know, 80, 60 to $80 a unit doesn't sound like much, but you multiply it by 40 units and then you divide that by a cap rate of, you know, six, six to 7%. And, you know, A, you've increased the cash flow on the property, but you've also, the big thing is you've increased the value substantially. Uh, because of uh, because of the power of the cap rate, so and that's the fun thing about multifamily real estate is like you're actually looking for dollars. Like uh, I think we heard that at the conference, Neil, and I, and, and I can't remember the speaker. He said each day we're just looking for dollars. We're not looking for big home runs. We're not looking to you know uh, uh, do anything extraordinary. We're just looking for 
$20 here, $30 here, obviously every month, but it, it's those, those are the type of decisions, you know, good, you know, um, money follows good decisions. And I think, or good, good values follow good decisions. And uh, so it's their micro decisions. And I think that's the fun part about multifamily is you gotta be diligent. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. So um, before we get into some personal stuff, I want to make sure we've got all of our, uh, all of our sort of our key four things covered. When you got started in multifamily, what do you think is the one thing you really, really needed to learn how to do that's, that's allowed you to be successful? Yeah, that's a great question, Neil. I, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's, for me, it's the collaborative approach. You know, I think it's so, so often investors were doing things out of self-interest, right? We're, we're, try, we're trying to improve our lives. Um, getting into multifamily, the, the biggest, the, the biggest change in need um, was actually collaborating and understanding like, hey, we got to do this as a team. This is a team sport. Um, I, I, I come from that background. So it, it, it really was a lot more comfortable like getting on a bike, but I'd been uh, chasing my own things. So for you know, so long and one way or another that I, you know, I wasn't subject to the opinions of others, right? I'm gonna, this is what I'm doing. Um, I, I think the collaboration um, is, is the, the biggest part, but on the opposite side of that, the collaboration is what makes it fun and also makes it, you know, uh, you know, actually something uh, sustainable. Gotcha. Um, so time-wise, you know, what does the, you still have a full-time job. Yeah. Uh, what does the day, what does a day in the life on the investing side look like for you? So, so it obviously ebbs and flows with, uh, uh, with projects. So when we initially take over a property, um, you know, it, it's, it could be 10 hours, 12 hours a week. Um, but as we get into, uh, you know, the, the later part of the business plan, an hour a week. Uh, so it's, but and it's a little unique in that, you know, we're now to a point where we're take, you know, trying to buy multiple properties that, and things kind of change in places. But I'd say on average, I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a 20 hour max a week deal. Um, I'm not, I will say I'm not really looking for a 40 hour work week. Um, I feel like that's a very American opinion of like a very American deal. Like we 40 hours. I just, I just want to live uh, all day, you know? So let's, uh, so I don't count too many hours. I'll, I will say that. Gotcha. Um, and then is this the kind of thing, you know, that you could, if you decided tomorrow, you know what, I'm going to change my priorities and I'm going to, um, I'm going to take some time off and go, you know, uh, go to Paris for six months. Is this the kind of thing that the, that the could the business keep running enough to, to fund your lifestyle? So six months, no, but a month and a half, two, uh, two months, absolutely. Um, you know, and particularly as we grow and we finally get enough, um, you know, enough properties under our belt where it's, 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 it's rolling and we're not kind of doing acquisitions, you know, every three or four months. Absolutely. So we're, we're finally kind of to that point. Um, but that said, we, we want to keep, we want to keep growing. So um, one, one day we'll, our, our ambition will, uh, in our, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get, we'll get that all figured out, but, but yeah, um, I'd say about a month or so. Um, but that's the beauty of partnership. And, uh, my partner takes things when I'm, when I, when I'm out of town or I've got things going on or he just had a baby last week. So, 
you know, I was doing a lot more that week, but that's, that's, that's how it's supposed to go. Uh, well, you are also a new dad. Is that correct? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I can see the bags under the eyes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's been one of the, the best things ever. Um, I, I'm, I always tell people I am so in love, but I'm also so tired. I'm, I've never been more, t- more in love or more tired. So, uh, but, yeah. but, uh, it's, it's been, it's been an awesome 11 months journey so far. Yeah. Yeah. How old is he? He's 11 months. Boy, right? Yeah. A little, yeah. A little boy. Yeah. And he's so much like me. Uh, he's, he's square. He's, <laughs> uh, he's clumsy. He's got a big head and he tries to do 10 <laughs> things at once. Uh, I call him juice because he looks like, a, he looks like a juice box. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's great. It's great, but also humbling in, in that you see so much of yourself in your kids and, and you, and you know that, Hey, I can't help someone do something that I can't do myself. I can't tell him to slow down if I can't slow down. So there's, there, there's some lessons in there too. And I think that's the, that's the really cool piece. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big one that I have to remind myself constantly. If you have my kids losing his shit and, and I'm going to lose my shit over him losing his shit, then how can I ask him to not lose it when he's 31 years younger than I like I have 30 uh, years on him. I should be able to, if I can't do it, I can't really ask him. Yeah, he doesn't have a fully formed brain. You want to talk about sobering. Yes. Those, those, those lead to some very sobering moments when you're making those connections. Like how, how, yeah. I've never even shown him how to do that. Like how, like, and all of a sudden I'm asking him to do that as I, uh, yeah, it's, uh, but that's, yeah. that, that's the cool yeah. thing about parenting. That's a very cool piece about it. Yeah. It's a, it's a lesson for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Is he, uh, is he walking yet? He's getting he close. He's got to be he getting is. close. He is. He's walking, he's babbling, he's all over the place. So he's been walking for about, you know, for about six weeks now. So he's, but he's one of those guys that wants it. He wants action. He wants adventure. He wants to move. And so I love that about <laughs> him. Uh, but that said, he's already got some bumps and some bruises and, uh, but yeah. As long as he has a good notepad and takes good notes, it's okay, son. But don't make the same mistake twice is, is the deal, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And they really, you know, when I talk to other parents, when they talk about, oh, you know, my kid's crawling again, you know, crawling or, or walking. I'm just like, okay, well, great. Now they're not going to be, be where you left them. You know, <laughs> now the, whole, the, level, gets harder. the level of trouble rises up a couple of feet in your house. And you got to suddenly start looking around going, all right, what could he get? What could he what kind of destruction could that cause? Neil, you know, mobility has been a game changer at our house. Like literally, it it has gone to a place that I don't even recognize us anymore. We're just like it's we yeah, that was a very hard, hard, hard uh thing. He, we were always on our P's mm-hmm. and Q's now because we, you know, who knew we didn't have a childproof home? Yeah, you know, yeah, who knew anything about yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. You don't you really don't think of I mean, we used to have we had like a whole sitting area in like, cause our, our house has like a big kind of open concept, like living space. And like one side of it is kind of TV. And then the other side could be another sitting area. And it was, and then he started, and then we had just like a corner near the TV area that had like some, you know, baby toys and stuff. And then as soon as he started walking, I was like, all of the things in the sitting area are like dangerous and there's not enough space for him in this tiny corner. And then it became like over time, it's, well, it's not anymore because we staged our house, but um, it was just a giant play area because we don't have a, like a 
play room. So it like got taken over by kids stuff for the, the next yeah. five years. I'm <laughs> living that nightmare right now. Uh, we were very, we were so, <laughs> we were so selfish and well, we didn't realize how selfish we were. We were really into our things. We had kids a little later, like yeah. you know, who knew how sophisticated we could become. Right. So like, we got to have things right. Mm-hmm. We got to do this. It has to look just like this. My like, it's terrible. It's, 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 it's such a, it's just a shock to our yeah. pie. Like literally every, it's, Toys everywhere, man. I can't deal with it. Yep. Yeah. And <laughs> unless you have a dedicated like playroom where you yeah. can shut the door at night, you know, or or it's like all in a kid room, it well, even then, I mean, once they my son, like every two hours, I'm basically like, what happened? What happened? <laughs> There's so much stuff everywhere. I just cleaned this room up 10 minutes ago. What happened? Come on, talk to me. You gotta yeah. talk to me. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. it's yeah. It's uh you cannot you you never have an adult home ever again. No, nope. nope. not until you retire. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you, bro. I really appreciate that. <laughs> just well, you know, you just gotta yeah. manage your expectations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Well said. All right, so let's take you back to simpler times briefly. Uh, I, I Instagram stalked you a little bit. Oh, uh, did you and your wife get engaged in Paris on the Pont de uh, Pont des Arts? Uh, Absolutely. We did. We did. Uh, it was awesome. Um, it was a really, really cool, cool deal. And obviously the kind of things that have happened in Notre Dame since then, I mean, it's, you know, it's made us, it's made us feel even more blessed to be a part of that and kind of be able to do that. We've got, we love traveling and, and, and going places and experiencing things. Like I said, I love action and all things. So, um, so yeah, we, we, we got engaged in Paris and, um, it was, it was, uh, it was really cool and really scenic. Obviously, right? Yeah. Did you guys do? Did you leave a lock on the bridge? We we did. We did. Uh, I think they classify that as litter, um, but we did do it. Yeah. <laughs> we absolutely yeah. did. They, the they, Parisians. The, yeah, the Parisians we talked to. Brittany and I did it as well. And the Parisians we talked to were just you know rolled their eyes and yeah. you know we're like oh, I now know. feel incredibly guilty about it. <laughs> right? I don't whatever. Well, but wasn't it? I mean, but it was so it was so cool to uh, even though I knew like well I, I heard when we got there they were gonna you know they kind of come come through uh, and cut through cut locks off. I was still like so pumped to be there like and and be actually doing this what I felt like a very traditional thing to do or a very like old school thing. So that, yeah. That's really cool. You guys share uh, share the same experience. I'm sure we were at some of the same like little cafes around there after calling all our friends and oh, family. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, still one of our favorite uh, favorite trips that we've taken together. So, yeah. so all right. Yep. Well, listen, Mario. Uh, if any of our guests want to reach out to you, uh, what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so affordableupstate.com. Uh, we actually just went to a rebrand. Um, we've taken it from Greenville to the Upstate of South Carolina now. So affordableupstate.com. Uh, you, you've got all of our kind of information, kind of what we're working on and what we've worked on, uh, but also contact information. So. Um, we're, we love talking shop and, and we love, uh, you know, uh, any opportunity to learn. We, 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 we keep our pride in our pocket. So, uh, please do reach out. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it was great to have you. Thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. All right. Okay. That was Mario Brown from affordableupstate.com. It was certainly wonderful talking to him again. I had a great time with him in Colorado at the best ever, uh, conference. And, uh, it was great to reconnect with him. So. Awesome. Do you have a lesson learned from the interview? 
I do. Uh, I would say, you know, when it comes to multifamilies, remember that you are in, you are providing a product and that you need to put your, you need to put your customers, uh, you need to put your customers first, which is your tenants. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you're, you are trying to create, um, a, a home for them that they will want to live in for a while and they won't mind paying rent and they won't mind paying a little bit more and things like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean, uh, doesn't, doesn't mean rolling over and just doing everything for them. Uh, but it means remembering that, you know, you're, you're in the customer service business and this is a product that you're providing them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other ones? Cause I had to leave the room for like five minutes to <laughs> as far know, as, argue uh, about lollipops with yes, our, our five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, as far as knowledge. No, or, I meant if you had any other lessons, lessons learned that you wanted no, to, no, to I, highlight. Cause I that loved, was... I loved what he said about um, being an experiential learner. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's very much how I am. Uh, I think a lot of people are that way, um, you know, and take great notes. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, there's only so much you can learn. We've said this again and again. There's only so much you can learn from listening to podcasts, um, reading books about real estate before you actually need to sit down and actually get some experience and learn that mm -hmm. way and get your bumps and bruises and, and yeah. uh, pay that tuition <laughs> uh, through deals yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So. Um, knowledge. So he said that he did the like bigger pockets university. Is it called? He university? called it bigger pockets university. He just meant that he just, he just oh, consumed okay. all the bigger pockets content. Got it. Yep. Got it. So bigger pockets. Yep. Taking your lumps. Yep. Well, and then he, uh, but he said he, he, one of the things he had to learn how to do, the knowledge that really allowed him to be successful, and you were dealing with lollipops at the moment, mm -hmm. uh, was he had to learn how to collaborate. Because okay. when he when he started off, uh, he he was a, a, a lone ranger, uh, a sole investor. You know, he then eventually had to learn how to work with a partner yeah. and things like that. And that's something, yeah. once you get up into that scale of doing commercial multifamily, uh, it's a team sport and you really got to learn how to operate at that level. Got it. All right, money. I'm going to let you take this one too because you, I think, wrote more. Yes. More better notes. More better. <laughs> more better. More better. More better. Uh, it took him uh, roughly $55,000 to get started. He scrimped and scraved and pulled, borrowed from scrimped his. Scrimped and scraved. Scrimped and scraved. That is, <laughs> scraved is a word. Yeah. Yeah. It's a combination of scrimp and save. <laughs> when you scraved, um, anyway, uh, he pulled from, he borrowed from his 401k. <laughs> he, uh, you know, he just pulled, he pulled all the money together and he was able to go uh, buy a property and fund the, the rehab for all in for $400,000. And that included the rehab budget. And he was able to borrow that. Uh, and then he, he fixed it up, raised the rents, and 24 months later, the property was, he sold the property for $560,000. So, um, cool. that's a, that's a gain of $160,000 in, in, uh, two years, awesome. uh, not including the cash flow on as well. So, yeah. Yep. yeah. All right. Um, time. So, I mean, he's got a full-time job yep. already yep. that he works in. 
Um, I feel like he was talking about this also when I was pre-arguing with our toddler, our toddler, our five-year-old is not a toddler anymore. <laughs> no, he's not. almost six. No, he's, um, our child he has opinions about lollipops, but before I knew it was lollipops and I was still here, but I wasn't hearing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I, yeah, time. I'm sorry. I'm it's a okay. horrible co-host. <laughs> no, I, no, it's I fine. It's all fine. Of it, the was, bits. Yeah, it was. So he, uh, he said he puts in about 20 hours a week on average. Okay. Uh, and he, you know, he's not say we've talked about this and uh, he, you know, the whole idea of the 40 hour work week is, you know, uh, in America is a little bit absurd when you think about it sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't mind working, but you know, it's, it's a matter of, uh, you know, uh, using your time wisely. You know, I think that's what a lot yeah. of us really want. It doesn't mean we don't want to work at all. It's just we want to leverage yeah. our time in the best way possible. Yeah. Uh, and and we happen to believe that's real estate, and so does Mario. So Awesome. Um, and, oops, sorry, location independence. So do you, do you remember that? I, I do. I was there for that part of the okay. conversation, I think, briefly. <laughs> um, I think that was when I came in after. Yep. The lollipops. Um, now I really want a lollipop. Um, anyway, so, you know, he, he talked about, could he, could he go for, you know, six months, I think is what you said. And he said probably a month, month and a half right now, but the goal would theoretically be to, to have more location independence in the future. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of that is uh, deal timing dependent, obviously when you're in mm -hmm. acquisition mode and when you're in, in the, turnaround mode of a property, there's a lot more work involved than once you're into the more of the asset management phase and things like that. So, yeah. but yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, once again, that was Mario Brown from affordableupstate.com. Check him out. Uh, he's a great guy. Really, uh, really enjoy talking to him. So yeah, we'll leave some resources in the show notes. Yep. And until next time, we'll see you next week. Let's hit the road. Bye. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, if you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at roadtofamilyfreedom.com and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels.